think you've heard it all? You haven't. Peace Love Podcast brings you more OMG, wait, what moments? My life has been so dramatic and traumatic. I take a humorous look at it, and each week we will discuss with fun and laughter, full-out mental health. I go there. I talk about being flawed and fabulous. So guys, let's get fabulous. I am so happy to hear that music and record again. It has been way too long. Talk about a hiatus. Well, I got burned out is really what happened and crashed. So welcome to episode 18. I fell apart like broken glass and came back like a disco ball. Not only did I come back a disco ball, I came back a Studio 54 giant strobe light disco inferno boogie oogie oogie discotech disco ball of disco balls. I have hit such emotional rock bottom. I thought rock bottom had a basement, but they have a cousin and a next door neighbor that I went to go visit. It has been a horrific year. I had moved to Jacksonville and it was healing and probably the most depressing and loneliest time of my life. But here's the really cool thing. I'm going to go back three years, guys. Three years ago, I was had just been recently diagnosed with ADHD, depression, OCD. And I'm now coming to terms at this point. Three years ago, I've lived my entire life without knowing something was wrong with me. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't lazy. I wasn't stupid. And that made me so depressed. I Days became weeks, which became almost months, which seemed like an eternity of sobbing, sobbing on my floor. Thank goodness I had a decent sized bathroom to cry on. I whimpered myself to sleep. I did not want to live at many times. It was me wanting the pain to go away. There was no help from my family. The lack of awareness, the lack of just understanding or empathy where mental health is um, concerned. So I randomly, three years ago, January, made a video. I, it was very impromptu because I was wearing a baseball hat and a baggy sweatshirt. And if it was planned, I would have had my hair blown out and picked a more flattering outfit. Vanity caused my insanity, still does. So I made a video telling everybody, look, um, I don't know if you know this about me or my life, but I'm really depressed. I don't know how to properly have friendships. I have had suicidal ideation for so long. I have suffered depression. I don't like to leave my house. I have had childhood trauma. I mean, eight years old, I was told your father's gone. We could never talk about it. And we left my apartment and upped and moved. It's like, imagine any of you having an eight-year-old saying, oh, your father's gone and never talking about it. That was the start of my trauma. So there was so much inside of me that was not healed that when I went on medication, for me, it opened up like the clear skies, like the Claritin commercial. Everything was cleared up and I saw with clarity the horror I had gone through and I became angry, sad, suicidal, depressed. And sharing that message three years ago now, I didn't, I didn't want to live. And here right now, three years later, having my podcast, knowing who I am, healing myself, 
sharing my message, finding my purpose, my passion, everything from that one day of an impromptu message on a bench with no expectations, just living in the moment. And after that, it's, I'm just going to, I guess, recap the past few years of where I got to now. So whoever's listening, if it's one, 100 or 1000 of you, you'll under try to have a little bit of hope that what you're going through now is not the end of the road. It is only a stumble. You're in between blessings. It is not the end of the road. So three years ago, I talk about my message and I became certified with NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness, through Broward County here in um, South Florida. But I couldn't take care of myself, so it was going to be very hard ending the silence and going to talk to students. But I did become certified. And for those, you know, for that little bit of training, it was me starting to realize, wait, I always thought I was going to be in the talent industry. I loved, you know, when I was an agent, I always had creative minds, but never did I think I would talk about mental health. I mean, the whole world has always been stigmatized, like nothing's wrong with me. Ooh, I don't want to go to shrink. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. It doesn't, it's not that. On the news, when something bad happens, when there's any kind of mass tragedy, they always say, oh, he had a mental health condition. No, here's the thing. And I said this last time, probably a few episodes ago, they have untreated mental health conditions. We all have mental health, like we have physical health, but untreated, look what happens if you un, if you go untreated with a kidney problem or a heart problem, the, end, the worst case scenario could happen. Same thing with our mental health. So the untreated mental health is what is the problem with, I think, pretty much society. So being, having a mental health condition, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you an evil person. It was a traumatized brain, like a traumatized bone injury. And you have to, a shoulder injury, an elbow injury. Our brains are no freaking different. And I used to be so ashamed. I didn't want people to know anything about my life. I was so private, which is hard to believe because I am a, no pun intended, an open book, literally. And I didn't realize that I would be finding my passion, my purpose, my everything through that one day of just saying, I'm sick of people looking at me like I'm a dumbass, calling me crazy, calling me lazy, calling me stupid, mocking me. Like I just, I couldn't take it. And I became very frustrated. Like this is who I am. And I started to stay true to who I was. And that's how I became how I found the name of my book, which had not been written true to myself because I realized I've never been staying true to myself. I've been people pleasing. I did whatever my husband wanted to make sure he still loved me. I did what somebody in the neighborhood wanted so I could be accepted in the neighborhood. You know what? My job I learned over the past few years is not to be liked. My job is not to be liked. It's to be who I am and the right people will find me and ironically have found me like the oddest people that have come into my life, whether it's been through Facebook, social media, through business, I never would have had if I just didn't start living my complete authentic who I am. And, you know, I also said in a previous um, episode, what people, I think I named it an episode, what people think about you is none of your business. And I preached that because I found out what people thought about me and I really wish it wasn't my business. I didn't like it. And I obsessed over it and it bothered me and I wanted to say something so bad like, oh, did it make you feel good mocking my book and using it as gossip and all this stuff? But I didn't. I took that energy and channeled it into healing myself, 
working on myself. Maybe I went out for a walk. I danced it out. But it has been a three-year journey of learning stuff that I now know this was my purpose. I was chosen or for whatever reason to go through hell and back, be knocked down emotionally, kicked down emotionally, and I keep getting back. I keep rising like Phoenix. I think that's what it is, rising like the Phoenix or something like that. But I will not break. And I never realized how strong I was until these past three years. Aside from the obvious we've all gone through, my divorce was so painful um, leading up to it. The Wow, there has been so much that, um, you know, there was a lot of anger in me and I took my anger out on the wrong people. I took it out on my family. I took it out on strangers. I was just nasty. And healing myself, it's taken maybe these three years to truly heal myself and put myself at that true level at the top of the pedestal of peace because I know everything is so not perfect but I trust the universe so much that whatever happens is supposed to happen and I will say this to eternity on every episode what you think is bad that's what you think but there's already a plan I know that now from three years ago from sobbing on my floor to not leaving my house to now having my podcast, having certifications with the National Alliance of Mental Illness, being a podcaster, writing a book about my life and sharing my experiences, which I always say in the beginning of my podcast, just when you think you've heard it all. And since I started my podcast, I've had people read my book and they have said to me, this cannot be true. Like if people really been this cruel to you how are you still smiling and hearing those kind of messages it's like fuel for me I mean it was just I don't know last January when I moved from Aventura to Jacksonville Aventura is like Miami North Miami I was so depressed I just needed peace and I moved to Jacksonville I was close to my daughter in Gainesville and my son was going to be in North Florida with my ex-husband um for business and we were going to be near each other it didn't work out that way my son did not want to be up in Jacksonville and only wanted to stay in South Florida and I was not ready to come back to South Florida so my heart this year had a void of course I came to visit but I wasn't there taking care of my baby that's my son my son who has special needs my son who got bullied in the bathroom at school and I wasn't there for him so that depression on top of the depression I'm already trying to heal took such a toll on me that being with him now in Hollywood, Cooper City, is now I realize that's why I was not flourishing. My heart was empty and void. It was so lonely in Jacksonville. It was not punishment. It was preparation for where I am now. I have learned so much about myself and truly staying true to who I am and you know, so many people, I see it, they're so afraid to still talk about mental health. And I talk about it so nonchalantly. I met somebody the other day for business and I said, okay, if I'm talking a lot, if I go in like rapid, rapid movement of my talking and I seem overwhelmed, like a bear chasing you in the woods, that's my anxiety because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm always in worst case scenario mode subconsciously. This isn't something I sit down and say, okay, I'm going to be like a bear everything's in my subconscious that I guess with trauma I have to learn to live in that moment and stop 
Okay, why am I feeling nervous? Why am I shaking? Okay, you don't know what this meeting's about. Nothing bad's going to happen, Marnie. So I'm constantly talking myself through things. I've also learned um, this year by being single that ladies, we're one team on Venus. We got to stand together on Venus because men on Mars, let them do their thing. I'm not saying don't interact with anybody on Mars, but ladies, we got to have each other's back here on Venus. Girl power, women empowerment. It breaks my heart when I used to be like this, when I see a girl upset and her whole day is ruined if a guy they like doesn't respond. And I want every girl out there to know our we don't define ourselves by if a guy likes us. Our day needs to go on whether or not somebody's interested in us. We have to become whole. I, I'm guilty of it. There was somebody that was texting me and then I didn't hear back and it was like, what's wrong with me? And now it's like forgetting everything good I've done. I'm now focusing on that one bad thing. We cannot do that. And our blessings, you know, I talk so much about having no place to live when I was 17, 18, 19, even in my early thirties with my daughter. And I asked somebody this when I was doing a speaking engagement the other day, and it was very profound. I said, who here has like a mother, a father? And I would say most of them raise their hand. I said, or a grandparent, other people raise their hands, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody at this point had a hand raised. I said, imagine having none of those because there is no reason, no rhyme or reason. I cannot tell you that I, my mother did not want me from birth, present day, which is going to be my next episode on narcissistic mothers, the evil that she does today. Um, my father, my biological father left when I was four months and my other father left when I was eight years old. He did come back, but I was already far gone from that. You know, it's really strange when I listen to myself talking about all of these things I've overcome that when I say God thinks I'm a badass, like I'm looking in the mirror right now. I am because there's a little mirror up top when I normally would video this. I have to, of course, check my lipstick. And it's like, I am really in this aha moment realizing I'm a friggin' badass. And through all of that learning, it's, I'm so grateful. Nothing happened with certain areas of my business. The places I wanted to speak, I don't think if they would have been ready if I would have gone to speak prior. I needed to heal and understand so much of who I am and how self-love is so important to, we have to just fill our lives with as much happiness and joy. And we hear that, but people don't really give definitions of what happiness and joy is. What I do, again, baby steps. For me to heal, I was very lonely in Jacksonville and I was beating myself up. Why didn't I do more episodes? I should be doing more books, book talkings, bring, promote myself, and I couldn't. I was in, I would say, a partially frozen mode. I moved there to heal and I was in beautiful nature, but it was so lonely. I look back now and I needed that time. You would never know during some of the crying episodes and being diagnosed with stage one chronic lymphocytic leukemia. I thank God as of right now, knock on wood, poo, poo, poo. I am not on treatment, but that could change any moment. And I reflected on this year and I realized, you know, what my kids watched me going through, you know, my marriage is not my children. So when I look at what I lost with my kids, 
the years they saw me doing nothing but crying, just existing. I was there as a body, but I wasn't there mentally. I was a shell of who I was. Then my kids watched me break down to the point the police were called, you know, I'm going to say maybe Halloween, something happened. They're like, do you want us to call the police? And I was finally like, yeah, please, because you all don't get it. You don't yell at somebody when they're going through something. So those, see, I start to go off on a little tangent about my passion of mental health. My psychiatrist this year, my psychiatrist who I've had for seven years, my whole family, we paid out of pocket. It's a shame, and that's another episode, how mental health and um, should not be a privilege. It shouldn't be a privilege to go to a psychiatrist or any kind of doctor for that matter. I was paying out of pocket $220, and when I got divorced, my husband stopped paying, and she fired me for back payment when I didn't cancel in time. And I said, okay, um, that's this is very disturbing. I'm not sure what's more disturbing that my psychiatrist who I go to for abandonment is abandoning me or because of the couple thousand dollars that was charged because I couldn't get out of bed when I wanted to die. So that was pretty um, excruciating. And then I found another psychiatrist. And look, I talk about my mental health so openly. I have everything. Name it. If you have the slightest bit of anxiety, nerves, if you have an issue with your eating, if you have a body image disorder, if you are going through divorce, if you've had childhood pain, you haven't overcome. I've gone through it all. You know what I'm like in infomercial when they would go, wait, there's more. And then you hear chapter three and I'm like, oh no, wait, there's more. Like people called me at chapter four. They're like, this cannot be your life. I'm like, oh, it is. So my passion, my purpose, I obsess if I can get anywhere to talk If it's for three people at a gas station, I will make an impromptu speaking and it heals me and it's just amazing. So when I went to my new psych, this new psychiatrist, she looked at me, she was like, no, um, I don't think you should be on that medication. Um, I'm like, lady, uh, yeah, I've, I don't know if I'll be able to function if you just take me off of my medication. Like I need it to survive. My brain's a little injured. And she said, no. Um, okay. I ended up in the emergency room because she wouldn't give me one of my medications. And then I found another psychiatrist and he was like, I, I'm more holistic and I don't believe in any of the medications you're on. And I'm like, what is happening? What is happening to me? And I broke down and I went to the emergency room again. And I'm like, this is just, I'm in hell. I'm in living hell. I am having anxiety. I am having triggers of trauma, of helplessness, and I I have no nothing to help myself with. It was just, it was a living hell. I was at rock bottoms, basements, cousins, next door neighbor. I found somebody who answered the phone. I'm in Jacksonville and it was a Delray Center um, for mental health and their facility. And the nicest man, John, answered the phone and the doctor's office I was with prior to get, I was trying to get an appointment, told me to go to the emergency room. Like I just got back. I just need an immediate psychiatrist. So I found this person who got me an appointment the next morning, telehealth at seven in the morning with a new psychiatrist. And not only do I have a new psychiatrist, but they offer every form of treatment. I didn't even realize I could go to for my trauma. So In the midst of hell, in the midst of no medication, 
um, nope, they did not want to give me any Xanax. And I'm like, okay, um, uh, yeah, that's not going to work because I have had Xanax prescribed to me. I can't remember it not. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And these doctors that tried to fix it, it was, I kept thinking if I am having a problem getting somebody to see my mental health, what the heck are other people going to do? And I'm, I told somebody, maybe try um, university psychology students. Of course, I always advocate for NAMI, whatever city you're in, National Alliance Mental Illness. They have free support groups. There's online stuff. They have peer groups for family members, going somebody going through um, a family member with mental health, like an Al-Anon, I guess. It's something I, re- I recommend for everybody because it's so okay not to be okay. I'm a friggin' mess. Or I, I was a mess until I realized I am so happy nothing worked out the way I thought it would. In fact, it worked out better. And I had that epiphany aha moment the other day. And I posted that picture of myself um, thinking it. Because I am so grateful. I don't think certain people who I want to send my book to would have been willing or prepared to read it. I don't think I would have been prepared to go on any other buddy's, anyone's podcast talking about my life, healing trauma. Now I know a year later, two years later, three years later, I had so many, so many learning experiences and so much more to learn that I am so grateful it didn't work out. So when you think things, you know, right now, what I always say is, here's a couple things with your children, with your friends. If you notice anything longer than two weeks, if you hear them mentioning their self-worth, they don't feel like they belong, they're, um, they're reclusing more than normal. Um, if your kids, teenagers are being even more out of the norm, like let's say they, they get an F on a test. Okay. You're not, you get upset or whatever, but it doesn't consume it does, it shouldn't consume them. And if you notice these patterns, even with a slight difference for more than two weeks, talk to your children. Um, for everybody, I always love to just give these words of wisdom. I say, stay in your lane. Let me, the one thing I have noticed, I never realized how imperative staying in my own lane and that non-comparison is the best thing in living in my own bubble. I do not look at anybody else's world and look at what I have done compared and compare myself at all. I probably would have said, oh my goodness, she has a podcast. Look at how many listeners she has, or I'm not doing as many book signings or promoting my book like I should, like he or she has. But you know what? I am doing such a friggin' better version of who I was yesterday. Three years ago, I could barely crawl to make that video. And now I could speak about mental health and my mental illness and everything for hours upon hours upon hours, which really shocks me that I have not done my podcast and have about 75 more episodes because I love to talk, but we all have energy. Like I use it like a bank debit card, my energy allotment card. I only have this much energy a day. And if I'm already trying to recover from something that made me sad or living through something or healing through something that's what's on my mind and that's what I'm doing and it's baby steps everything's baby steps a shower and my ex-husband used to say to me oh my god you haven't showered in four or five days I'm like I haven't gone anywhere and no I don't have enough energy to get up and barely get a drink of water so 
don't shame. If you're listening to this, please don't shame a family member. And if you are somebody that does suffer with somebody that has ignorance towards this topic at this point, don't let it, I, I, I can't, it's very, I know when I say don't let it bother you, love yourself enough to know that anyone's opinions, that's their opinion. If you do not feel good, stand up and just, I am not going there. I am not doing this today. I am taking a me day. I don't want to do that. It's the people pleasing. I have people pleased since the day I'm born. I have people pleased to have a roof over my head. The blessed I, oh, that's what I was talking about before. How blessed all of you are to have parents, a family member, a friend, a cousin, a relative, a home, food. At one point, a few times in my life, I never had that. So sometimes you're richer than you think you could be. When I was in Colorado two years ago, um, it was magnificent. But I also was on the side of the road in snow wanting to die, saying, God, please take me. And I look at my kids now and it's unimaginable that I was at that dark, dark place. And I do everything I can to stop going in that place I now know what those triggers are and I stay away from them. There's certain conversations I cannot bring up. There's certain topics my ex-husband and I cannot talk about. It just, it's too much and it puts me over the deep end. So awareness is pretty much one of the biggest keys to my recovery. I am aware at every moment of, okay, slow down. It's okay if this didn't happen. Why am I getting nervous? Why is my heart beating fast? And I just live in such a mode subconsciously that the worst is going to happen. But you know what? That's my anxiety. The worst isn't going to happen. It's always, you know, what we think it, it re, redirect, re, rejection is just redirection. The people that didn't want me, thank you, because now I am where I should be wanted. Not nothing specifically. But if you didn't get into the right college, right now certain kids are getting college acceptances. I promise you, it may not but. It may not be what you want, but your destiny is not supposed to be there. And it's okay if you get disappointed. We're human. Cry, scream, tell your family, though, communicate with them. Because I used to go, what? And then my daughter would go, what's wrong with you? And then we would get into this argument. Now I let everybody know, even on the phone. I'm like, it's not you. It's a situation. I'm frustrated. But if it's out of our control, what can I do? If I'm not getting an email that's supposed to be sent to me, I can't magically blink my eyes like um, I dream a genie or wiggle my nose like bewitched and say, you know, email, it's out of my control. So I can either let myself be miserable or take that energy and challenge it and just work on something else. So this year I became so burnt out. I healed, but I was trying to do everything. I was emotionally all over the place. The few times I did do a video was probably a good few days and then I disappeared and I was not healthy. And finally, by being with Noah, now I realize my heart is so full and I am able to now take over and really be, I, you know, we can't take care of other people if we don't take care of ourselves. Um, the moms of the house or the caretakers, we have to take care of ourselves first, like on an airline put your oxygen on and then help your child. I know now that, gosh, I look back and I can't have regrets or I won't enjoy today. And we went away to this place, um, Helen, Georgia for Christmas. And it was so magical. And Taylor was like, let's go here. Let's go there. And she's like, God, you're doing everything. I'm like, because last Christmas I didn't, the Christmas before that I didn't, I'll never get these moments back. So for me, 
realizing how precious life is, look, physically and emotionally. I have leukemia, which I am I will live with the rest of my life and it could be managed on medication, but I'm also very susceptible to other things. So having my health right here, right now and being alive, that's a blessing. Having my mental health being under control is a blessing. When I would get out of control, it's what I tried to explain actually last week to my family. If you were to think of like a tornado or like a spinning top and it's going round and round and round, when I am in that mode, this is when somebody tries is trying to argue with you or reason with you. Like, what's wrong with you? Just stop. And you're in this, you can't stop. You cannot stop a middle of like a tornado and just, it doesn't happen. So when somebody's in that mode of um, outcry, of severity, they don't need a police being called. They Well, now that 988 is coming, will be an emergency emotional hotline, but they're not doing anything wrong. Their mind is right at that moment spinning out of control. And then I would get, then it's like when the dreidel or the top or the tornado stops and you're left just still is when my shame would come in and the things I would say or the things that I would do. It was, I understand Brittany so much. The only thing I didn't do was shave my head and have a police or have a camera crew with me. But that, that anger, that what was inside of her, all of those emotions, I did the same thing without an umbrella, but with these bamboo sticks. I have done them with pool table sticks. I have had that same feeling that Britney Spears has and I would never, ever have been one of those people making fun of her because I felt her. I I know what it's like to have childhood trauma. You know, I don't know what it's like to be Oprah, but I know what it's like not to have that stability. When your mother gave you up, I know what it was like. And then her grandmother, you know, my grandparents didn't, my grandfather didn't want me. The situations are different, but the emotion and the similarities make us the same, hence you're not alone. I don't know where I just said hence from. It was an episode in Sex of the City where she, it, it was, I don't know. Um, they made fun of her for saying the word hence. And, and just like that, I am doing my podcast because my queen, my, please don't say anything bad about these women aging, Carrie Bradshaw and my girls, watching her do her podcast uh, with Sarah Ramirez, who I put in my acknowledgement as well from when she was on Grey's, the most brilliant actress, watching them come together, doing a podcast, hearing Sarah Jessica Parker wanting to be on Oprah's book list, book club, my vision boards, all of my worlds colliding. So watching her do a podcast, my dream is now I need to talk to Sarah Jessica Parker and tell her how she truly changed my life, which I do in my acknowledgements with other people. But you know, everybody, it's a tough time right now. Be kind. You don't know what anybody, if the cashier wasn't that friendly, do you know she might have just been evicted from her house? She can't pay her bills. Maybe her husband just left her. Just just be kind. Don't go out of your way to be rude if you don't have to. When, you know, it, it's all within. It's a choice. You know, um, no, it's not a choice for me to have my mental health conditions, but it is a choice for me to not be angry and not be a bad, miserable, miserable person for it. It's just, um, we're all going through stuff. So not to repeat Ellen DeGeneres, but everybody just be kind. And this was really fun doing my get back into my three year mental health anniversary podcast. 
And next week, um, episode 19, you will all love your mothers after this because when I talk about, and some of you will understand what it's like coming from a narcissistic mother, this is not something that I'm just saying in jest. When you hear the stories, you will go hug your moms or appreciate the ones you have. On that note, guys, with your own disco balls, never let anyone dull your sparkle ever, ever, ever. You're all magical. You're all beautiful. Stay true to who you are and know everything happens for a reason. Sending you guys so much love and so much peace. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Peace Love Podcast. I hope you learned a little bit, hope you laughed a little bit, and please, if you can, subscribe and leave a review, possibly how amazing this episode was. Remember, stay true to who you are and never, ever let anybody dull your sparkle.